the rule of our Holy Father St. Benedict, chapter the 49th, the Quadragesime Observatione of the Observance of Lent. Although the life of the monk ought at all times to have about it a Lenten character, yet since you have strengthened this, we exhort all, at least during the days of Lent, to keep themselves in all purity of life, and to wash away during that holy season the negligences of other times. This we shall worthily do if we refrain from all sin and give ourselves to prayer with tears, to holy reading, compunction of heart, and abstinence. In these days, then, let us add something to our wonted service, as private prayers and abstinence from food and drink, so that every one of his own will may offer to God with joy of the Holy Spirit something beyond the measure appointed him, withholding from his body somewhat of his food, drink, and sleep, refraining from talking and mirth, and awaiting Holy Pascha with the joy of spiritual longing. Let each one, however, make known to his abbot what he offereth, and let it be done with his blessing and permission, because what is done without leave of the spiritual father shall be imputed to presumption and vain glory and merit no reward. Everything, therefore, is to be done with the approval of the act. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Three times yearly we read uh, chapter 49 of the Holy Rule of the Observance of Lent, and it may at first seem rather out of season to be reading this particular passage from the Holy Rule on the last day of July. A closer reading suggests that chapter 49 is in effect suitable for every day of the year. You know that I often like to point out the great overarching principles of Benedictine life that St. Benedict manages to slip into nearly every chapter of the rule. Chapter 49 contains two of these. Interestingly enough, we find them in the opening and final sentences of the chapter. They frame all the rest and suggest that this particular chapter is one for all seasons. Our Father St. Benedict begins with a rather sobering affirmation. The life of a monk ought at all times to be Lenten in its character. And he closes the chapter with a prudent safeguard. Everything, therefore, is to be done with the approval of the abbot. Semper quadragesima. Always Lent. The order of minims founded by St. Francesco di Paola and approved by Pope Alexander VI in 1493, 
They are so called not for their stature, but by reason of their humility. And the Minims have as their motto, even today, Semper Quadragesima. With Franciscan roots, the rule of the Minims also draws upon the rule of St. Augustine and the rule of St. Benedict. For St. Francesco di Paola, perpetual Lent implied a year-round observance of the fasting and abstinence characteristic of the 40 days before Easter. This rigorous discipline must have admitted of a certain mildness in practice, given that none other than the gentle doctor of the Church, Monsieur de Genève, St. Francis de Sales, was a tertiary of the order of Minimus. What exactly does St. Benedict mean when he declares that the life of a monk ought at all times to be Lenten character? He describes the Lenten character of monastic life in the following terms. Purity. When St. Benedict speaks of purity of life, he is not referring exclusively to the virtue of chastity. He represents an all-encompassing notion of purity of heart, drawing principally upon the writings of St. John Cashin. Purity of heart includes perfect chastity according to one's state in life and cannot be attained without it. But it has to do also with the single-hearted direction of a monk's life, with his all-consuming, singular passion for God alone. Purity of heart is the treasure hidden in the field for which the monk is ready to sell all that he has. It is the pearl of greater price and the chief ornament of monastic holiness. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. No one, I repeat, no one comes to the monastery with a clean heart. In every heart there are mixed motives, deeply rooted attachments and compromises, and illusions about oneself. But as a man perseveres in the monastic life, his heart is purified. And as the heart is purified, a young monk begins to see all his impurities. If he consents to the purging fire of divine love, working principally through humiliations, he will come at length to that degree of purity of heart by which the soul begins to contemplate God in the darkness of faith and to cling to Him alone in love. Second point, reparation. St. Benedict presents Lent as a time during which the monk expiates the negligences of other times. One who has experienced the love of the heart of Jesus wants to make up for coldness, ingratitude,
gratitude, want of generosity, and failure to trust that have cast a shadow over his past. Third point, avoiding sin. This, of course, is binding on all who profess to love Christ. What specifically does St. Benedict mean in this instance? It seems to me that this particular injunction has to do with being sober and watchful, lest the enemy who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, pounce on one who has let down his guard. Praying with tears, virtues flourish, where the labor of one's prayer and good deeds is irrigated by tears, by tears. When I learn from a brother that he weeps frequently, I'm greatly encouraged for that brother. Uh, I see great hope for his advancement in holiness. The Church so values the gift of tears that the Roman Missal contains, as you know, a set of orations to beg for this grace. There are certain sins and inclinations towards sin that can only be dissolved by tears. Sometimes uh, it is by weeping over a certain sinful inclination that one draws down divine grace and suddenly finds oneself free of the shackles that hold one bound. reading. The monk immerses himself in the Word of God, not only in Lent, but day after day, week after week, and year after year. This reminds me that I have to make copies of the reading program that um, Father Subprior elaborated and make sure that each brother has a copy set. One who neglects holy reading begins to dry up. One is tempted to cut short one's times of secret, silent prayer. The neglect of holy reading is the first step in the slow descent into lukewarmness and spiritual sloth. Some years ago I had <coughs> conversations with a young priest ordained only a few months, and he complained to me that he had no time to read, and that his spiritual life, having just come out of seminary, was already beginning to dry up in the parish. And I probed a little, and I discovered that all through his seminary he had a goal in sight. It was to get for himself after ordination a big screen TV. This, he thought, was the, uh, the sign of having made it as a, as, a, as a priest. And so he was no sooner ordained that he took some of his ordination money from his gifts and bought this monster television and installed it in his rooms. And 
no time to read. And so I said, Dear Father, there's only one way out of this. Um, I'm challenging you to give up the TV. He looked at me in horror, in absolute horror. And he said, Oh, I, 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 I need time to think about that one. So uh, I said, Well, I'll see you in three weeks' time. <coughs> he came back to me after three weeks and he said, I'll do it, I'll do it. So he went back to the parish and rang up a family in the parish and said, Would you like a big screen television? The family couldn't believe their good fortune. I don't know if it was good fortune. Uh, I, I would have. In any case, he gave it to a family. And from that time forward, he received the grace to read the Word of God, to abide in the company of the saints, to read the lives of the saints. And prayer began bubbling up inside him like a, a living water. And he, he, he came to me thereafter and said, I cannot thank you enough for challenging me to get rid of the TV. It's completely changed my life. We don't have that sort of thing in the monastic life. But we have other preoccupations. There are other dangers. So, um, <clears throat> we have to, and this is where it's my mission, in some way, to help each brother identify those things that are at the root of struggles in prayer, dryness in prayer. Uh, sometimes it is in preoccupation with, with some passing trinket or amusement or um, practice or interest uh, and we sometimes uh, are obliged to root out these things, to renounce them, uh, make a real act of renunciation. And that can be very liberating. Um, abstinence. St. Benedict undoubtedly refers to abstinence from food and drink. But there are other forms of abstinence as well. Abstinence is a readiness to curb one's appetites and to hold them in check, lest one become heavy and weighed down by any sort of excess. A legalistic minimalism extinguishes love, and where love no longer burns brightly, there is an absence of joy. The Benedictine never asks, how little must I do in order to be on the right side of the law? He rather asks, how much can I do to respond the love with which God has first loved me. St. Benedict puts it this way, in these days therefore, let us add something beyond the wanted measure of our service, such as private prayers and abstinence in food and drink, let each one, over and above the measure prescribed for him, offer God something of his own free will in the joy of the Holy Ghost. It is not enough merely to be correct. One can be quite correct, and in spite of that, joyless and censorious and bitter.
you to prolong your times of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. In my experience, that's a very fruitful way of um, growing uh, growing in generosity of heart and disposing oneself to receive whatever graces our Lord is waiting to give. Sometimes it can be a matter of prolonging by five minutes one time of prayer, one's time of prayer. And that five minutes is, is there's, there's a tipping that takes place out of a kind of legalistic, calculated relationship with God, which is something more gratuitous, and that five minutes can make all the difference. So, um, to, to be generous. As for the increase of private prayers, which St. Benedict speaks, I'm reminded of the lovely medieval practice of visiting the various altars of the monastery church before matins and after compline. Even today, in certain monasteries, it is not uncommon to see monks making the rounds, as it were, uh, in the darkness before matins or after compline, to have a personal word with Our Lady, with St. Joseph, St. Benedict, or another of the saints. And I encourage you to do this. Similarly, the gratuitous visit to the Blessed Sacrament is a singularly effective way of responding to our Lord's invitation to abide in His divine friendship. To make short visits to the Blessed Sacrament is a little means, but a powerful thing. Powerful. To go in for just a moment, to kneel in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, it can be just a few seconds. But it's an, a kind of elan of the heart towards the tabernacle. And that too can make the difference. So I, I encourage you to, to make frequent little visits to the Blessed Sacrament in your comings and goings. Abbot Marmion made the way of the cross every day of the year, except for Easter Day. I'm very happy to know that Brother John Baptist has a, a plan to uh, erect the way of the cross along the wall, the garden wall, on the stone wall, so that one will be able to walk outdoors from station to station. I'm very pleased with that idea. Because that's uh, that would be a uh, would bring down blessings on the monastery. So um, I'm happy that we're going to have that. One um, would also uh, want to be faithful to the humble prayer of the Rosary. We're not always able to say the Rosary after compliments as I would like, um, and, and of course that's done very quietly, kind of sort of Rosary, you know. It's not an official community exercise, as it were. Um, it's something that, that we do just uh, out, of, out of love for Our Lady. Um, but for some weeks now, it's not been possible. Um, and so when it's possible, we do it. Uh, but we can't get all bound up about it. And um, I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that when many brothers are exhausted at the end of the day and can't
can't wait to get to that after Compton. So I, I certainly would not impose anything that would not be in the spirit of the rule at all to impose a burden after Compton. But when it can be done, it's, it's certainly profitable. Um, one who looks down upon customary Catholic devotions, deeming them unnecessary or useful only for those who have no liturgical culture, have forgotten the words of our Lord. I confess to you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them to the ones, yea, Father, for so hath it seemed good in thy sight. Nowhere in the Holy Rule does St. Benedict speak of joy as much as he does in this chapter on the observance of Lent. <coughs> if the life of a monk is to be Lent-like all year round, it is to be joyful all year round. Joy, being one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost, flourishes on the branches of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. And the seven gifts grow out of the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Benedictine life is characteristically joyful. How could it be otherwise? When one is called to the praise of God seven times daily. How could it be otherwise? When one approaches daily the sacred banquet of the Lamb. Pascha, or Easter, the grand yearly festival of our redemption, is the Eucharistic solemnity. The soaringly beautiful Alleluia verse of Easter morning makes us sing, Christ our past is immolated. And St. Paul adds, Therefore, let us be festival. This joy of spiritual longing for the Paschal solemnity becomes, on a daily basis, the joy of spiritual longing for Holy Communion. The joy of spiritual longing for union with Christ in his sacrifice. Benedictine joy is a Eucharistic joy. It springs afresh in anticipation of each day's participation in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It continues to flow quietly and sweetly through the hours of Eucharistic adoration and in our monastery prolonged Mass and draws into it more deeply. I'm going to experiment this week with allowing each brother uh, on days when there is not exposition to put his own card on the adoration board because it's very difficult for me to know which brother needs to be where at what time. And I sometimes post brothers for adoration when they have a conflicting engagement, but I wouldn't always know about that. So the cards are in the sacristy, and there is a little pile of cards with each brother's name. So let's try it this week and see how that how that works. Not for Thursday, certainly, but for the other days, um, because I know that this has to be coordinated with the work. So um, as I've explained to some of the older brothers in the the other monasteries of adoration. It's the very old and infirm who keep the hours of adoration during the day. Uh, 
not those who have to keep the, keep the house running. Um, so we have, we're, we're challenged in this regard. So I would like to, at least so that I can see at what times a brother is, is, suit, is, is uh, what our best suits a brother. So if we, if we try that uh, beginning today, and then I'll evaluate that after a week or two. After having presented his magnificent program for a Lent-like life, St. Benedict concludes, everything, therefore, is to be done with the approval of the abbot. Ergo, cum voluntate abatis omnia agenda sunt. A monk will have the humility and good sense to tell his abbot what he is offering, that it may be done with his consent and blessing, because what is done without the permission of the spiritual father, says St. Benedict, shall be ascribed to presumption and vainglory and not reckoned meritorious. Openness and transparency with the father preserves one from the pitfalls of spiritual arrogance. Recourse to the Father is a safeguard against the deceitful ploys of the enemy, who often seeks to lead souls into ascetical or pious excesses before filling them with a loathing for all things spiritual and pushing them into despair or inflating them with spiritual pride. Undertake nothing then before having submitted 